I feel like it's a sense of community and it's a family outside of your regular family because you can talk to people about alopecia all you want, but they will never understand it until they go through it. Hey everyone, welcome to the Alopecia Project. This is the podcast that uncovers the world of alopecia, an autoimmune condition that results in various patterns of hair loss. I'm your producer, Sarah McMichael, and in today's episode, Sarah Adams will be interviewing Kaya Sigard. Kaya has had alopecia since she was five and volunteers as a support group leader with the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation. Today, we talk to her about support systems and self-confidence when living with alopecia. Kaya, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. Really, really interested in chatting with you a bit about your experience with alopecia. So we can kind of start from there. When were you first diagnosed and when did you first lose, start losing your hair? So um, I was diagnosed when I was five years old. It started off as Arietta and I would just have patches here and there. And then around 21 is when it all started falling out. And then my current state right now is that I have absolutely nothing. Wow. And you are in your late 20s right now? Yeah, um, I turn 28 tomorrow. Oh, happy early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. So you have had no hair for the last eight years or so? Yeah. Wow. What has that been like? Um, It's definitely been a journey. I mean, there's some times where I'm okay with it. And then there's definitely those days where I, I wish it wasn't happening to me. Yeah. So you say you were first diagnosed when you were five and it was more patchy. Did you kind of just wake up one day and find a patch on your scalp? Well, my mom, she was doing my hair and she found like that little round shiny circle. So she took me to the doctor and they tested me for everything. And then they thought it was stress because my little sister had just been born. So they thought maybe it was like uh, the stress from being an only child to now having a little sister. But after further testing and blood work, they decided it was alopecia. Wow. When, like, what were your, you were five, so I'm not quite sure if you remember, but what was your mom's reaction when, uh, you know, you first found out that it was alopecia? Well, I don't remember, but I mean, my mom is a worrywart, so I can only imagine that she was probably panicking and thinking the worst. But I mean, my family's really supportive and they've done their own research on it. So I'm sure she went above and beyond to coordinate. I was lucky because I had crazy curly thick hair. So um, it wasn't really noticeable until I got older. And so what was that like as you were kind of growing up with, with, was it different patches that kind of started to come up or was it, did one patch grow in and then another patch would fall out? Yeah, like from mine, from what I remember, I never really had more than one patch at a time it would always kind of show up and then it would grow in and then another one would appear and that kind of cycle would continue over the years but it wasn't anything you know that was where I would have a million patches right uh until you were 21 or so yeah until I turned 21 (laughs) so can you walk me through what happened then um yeah so I I like to think the only thing that I can really connect it with is I went through a really bad breakup. It definitely took a toll on my mental health. And I noticed from there, what started happening was that um, at that time, I only really had spots at the front of my hairline. But then my crown started going and the whole the way it transitioned was the whole back went. But I was still okay, because I could see hair in the front. So it didn't really bother me strange enough. And then once the front started going, that's when, you know, 
it started hitting home for me that, you know, I was going to lose all my hair. And how long did that kind of progression take? Well, I've been, let me see, I've been completely bald for about four years now. So, I mean, it was over the course of four years, I would say, that it took me from having extremely thick curly hair to nothing. Wow. Yeah. Very curly hair, eh? Yeah. I also curly hair. I miss it. I know. I do. I look back at pictures. Like, I hate Facebook memories because I look back at the pictures and I see my long, thick hair and I'm just like, oh, this is so depressing. (laughs) So you lost it, like all of it, four years ago. I remember last time we were speaking, you were saying that you decided to shave your head as it was kind of all coming off. Yeah. um, I mean, I was at the point where I was pretty much every time I showered, I would be bawling my eyes out because like my hair was just falling out in chunks in the shower. So I sat down with my dad and he was excited for it. And he taught me how to shave my head. And it was kind of like a bonding experience because he's surrounded by girls all the time. Um, It's just girls in the household. So I think it was kind of, he was excited for it. He definitely was to show me how to shave my head and the tricks for how to hold the razor, the clippers and whatnot. So what was that like for you? It was so scary. That first shave, it definitely freaked me out because I mean, like women, we've never really had that experience before unless we've chosen it. And it definitely wasn't really a chosen style for me. It was kind of given. But it it was freeing. And then after a while, I actually enjoyed shaving my head because it felt good. Like, the I don't know what it is, but that stubbly feeling, it feels really good. <laughs> I actually miss it. <laughs> so you shaved your head when I guess you were like 24, 25. What decided, like, what made you decide to shave your head? You said you were like kind of crying in the in the shower every time. What would, like, what were you doing before? Was it, were you wearing a wig? Were you covering up? your hair what was kind of like that stage that brought you to wanting to shave yeah um so I used to manage hair salons so I was always in the hair industry and for a while there I had a mohawk because like the sides of my head were just so patchy and then I had this really nice guy Stelios and he would all of a sudden suggested that I should do like designs in the side of my head to kind of camouflage the patches so he would do like stars or shapes that would kind of bounce off of my bald spots that way it's not so noticeable but then it just got to a point where he really couldn't (laughs) he couldn't conceal it anymore so I was walking around and it was looking gross my headband couldn't cover it anymore I could have worn wigs but they're just so hot when you have hair to wear wear like to wear wigs I find so the solution for me was to just shave it I want to talk about wigs in a second, but can we talk about how you kind of worked in the hair industry for a little while while you were going through hair loss? What's kind of ironic? What? How did that feel for you? It was okay when I had the mohawk because people just thought I had like a cool style. When I decided to shave my head, I noticed actually that sales declined because you wouldn't believe how hard it is to sell hair products to somebody and to like gain their trust when you don't have hair. (laughs) they definitely judge you but it was also nice because I remember certain instances where like for example because it was in the mall the salon I would have moms come up to me and be like oh my gosh my daughter wants to speak to you she's so excited because she finally found somebody that's like her so it was nice because I got to meet other alopecians that I didn't really know about but then it also sucked because I would get 
a lot of the people who would assume that it was cancer. So I got a lot of the, I'll pray for you and, oh, God bless you, which is so sweet for them. But I mean, it's not cancer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, something that a lot of people that I speak with come up with and say, you know, it's not cancer. Don't worry. I'm okay. Did a lot of people know that it was alopecia? I feel like over the past, I'd say three years, I can now say alopecia and people know what it is. Wow. Where, yeah, it's getting there. Where um, before, it's like I would have to go through everything to kind of explain it. Like, oh, it's an autoimmune disorder. Oh, it does this. It does that. And it just, it's such a drag. So now it's nice when they're like, oh, yeah, I know somebody who has that. Or, oh, yeah, my cousin's best friend has that. It's just, it's becoming more mainstream, I feel. And how does that make you feel? It feels good. I mean, I I always say thank God for Amber Rose because she I find that like she kind of opened up the acceptability for women without hair because I mean, she always shaved her head. That's how we knew her from the beginning. And it kind of became cool for women not to have hair. At least in our generation, I would feel that Amber Rose is yeah, kind of the one who started that. There's many who did it before her, but Okay, so let's talk about wigs. So you don't you're not a big fan of wigs. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not. I wear them, but I'm not too happy with them. Why? What are, what are your feelings around wigs? Well, I mean, they're hot. They're so hot. The, the summertime is just unbearable and they're itchy. And like myself, because I'm so nervous that they're going to go flying off. So I, I use tape to keep them down and glues. So now I have like dermatitis in the spot where the tape is. And they're expensive. <laughs> like, I just had to buy a new one. And, oh, my God, I am now so poor just from this one wig. And it frustrates me because, like, insurance companies don't cover – well, any ones that I've been part of don't cover anything. And from what I've talked to people with, if they do cover it, it's something like $100. Like, wigs are, like, $2,000, a good one. Yeah, that's <laughs> the start. That's my experience, too, with insurance companies. It's, like, because alopecia is not cancer – or something like, like that's what I found that sometimes cancer wigs are um, covered, but never is alopecia wigs covered because it's considered like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cosmetic. Cosmetic, yeah. Yeah, I've been flat out told by Manulife that alopecia is not a real disorder. Are you serious? Yeah, and I remember I was shocked and I'm like, okay, you want to tell my body that? <laughs> like, please, please explain that. That's crazy. And I think like that's another area of of advocacy that people do with alopecia is trying to get insurance companies on board and saying, you know, this is what this is. It's real. We're not choosing to not have any hair. Yeah. And like I can understand not covering the whole amount because like I don't need to buy a wig for $2,000. I just really like the wig I'm like, like looking at. But something like even the people that I talk to that have great government jobs so they haven't like amazing insurance coverage they're only covered for a hundred bucks yeah like you can't even get a synthetic one for a hundred bucks yeah exactly yeah it kind of in my opinion anyway dismisses alopecia altogether right it's 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 saying that it's cosmetic and and you know it's I don't know. I don't really understand what insurance companies' motivation around not covering alopecia is, but I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get it because there are types of alopecia that are self-inflicted. 
like for example the girls who wear like extensions too tight or who like chemically burn their scalp so they can't grow the hair like I get it but for someone who has like areata universalis totalis that sort of alopecia you know or the scarring alopecia I'm not too sure of the name anymore those we didn't choose that to happen you know it wasn't because of any sort of negligence or whatnot so it's just frustrating yeah I completely understand but you still wear wigs even even though you're not a big fan I do I do what how do you wear wigs all the time do you find that you go bald often I used to be good with just being bald all the time and then I started wearing wigs at work and then it slowly transitioned to wigs at work and then when I went out and now my wig is like my security blanket and it's horrible I hate it I wish I was brave to kind of go out without it but if I'm not wearing my wig I have to wear my hat so I mean it's definitely a work thing um I feel like I don't know why, but I feel like people won't take me as serious if I'm not wearing my wig at work. And then I get really nervous when I'm around children. (laughs) So it sounds ridiculous, but they scare me. They scare you or you're afraid that you're going to scare them? No, no, no. They scare me because children are brutally honest and I'm afraid of what they're going to say. And I know it's not because they're trying to be mean or like vindictive, you know, it's just they're being, it's, they're unfiltered. So they say what comes to their mind. And like my biggest fear is they're going to be like, oh my God, you're a freak or oh, you're so ugly or anything. Yeah, I guess that that kind of makes sense. Uh, for me, personally, it was the other way around. I have um, my cousins, my cousin has a, a, some little kids and I have a, a, a four-year-old cousin. And the first time that I showed them or I kind of took off my hat and I had a bald head, I had just recently shaved. Like I was so afraid that I was going to freak them out and <laughs> I think one of them like their eyes kind of like widened but uh, you know it's funny they didn't really say anything it was it was like it was completely normal yeah so uh, yeah it's 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 always interesting to uh, see kids in in that uh, circumstance yeah and with babies they like like to grab things I mean you can't wear a necklace with around a baby imagine a wig <laughs> That is a real, real concern. So you, so when you first lost all your hair, you were okay, kind of being bald and going out um, with friends and family, bald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Wow. What was that like? An empowering experience, or why did you really enjoy going out without any coverage? Well, for one, it only takes like two seconds to get ready. I mean, (laughs) I would shower and be done. And at that time, I still had eyelashes and eyebrows. Okay. So I think that made a huge difference because I would get eyelash extensions. Mm -hmm. And then I would just wear like really bold eyebrows. And it just kind of gave a statement, you know, I was always kind of into like the rocker kind of punkish style. So it just fit with the shaved head. And it was it was kind of you were in the spotlight, but you weren't. Like, people would look, but they wouldn't question. They just thought it was a style, and you were different, you know? Whereas, eventually, like, once I lost my eyelashes and my eyebrows and stuff like that, then people started to stare because they were, like, concerned, or they, you know, because you were different, and then you... It wasn't that you were standing out. You were just weird-looking. At what point did you lose your eyelashes and eyebrows? I would say about two or three years ago. Wow. And the progression of that was was pretty quick or did that take longer as well? 
that took longer. So since I like first had, had alopecia when I was five, I would use I would lose my bottom lashes a lot. They would always grow back pretty quick. And like I had gorgeous eyelashes, they would touch my eyebrows. That's how long they were. <laughs> they just slowly started falling out. My eyebrows, that was a very, very slow thing. It took like years for it to fall out. It was just kind of patch and then it would turn like very fine and it was sparse so that's what like I think if I had to choose hair on like one part of my body to come back it would be my eyebrows and my eyelashes like I think I would be okay with no hair on my head if I could have my eyebrows and eyelashes back what do you do now do you do micro what is it called microbrading microblading yeah I've I've done microblading now three times okay and right now I'm like I still have a little bit left of the microblading right now I just pencil it in because I, I like bold brows right and for eyelashes I could wear eyelashes like strip lashes uh, when my sister puts it on for me it stays for like days but I just can't get the hang of it I really can't and then I get glue in my eye and then I get an infection so it's just not worth it stay away what is it like not having eyelashes? Do you find that you're kind of rubbing your eyes more often? Because oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Like you don't realize how much you need your eyelashes and your eyebrows. Like everything is so bright and so sunny. Like I constantly have to wear sunglasses. And because you don't have eyelashes, there's nothing catching the dust in the air. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just, they're always itchy and always watery and they're just like dry and oh, it's, it's not nice. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. And even like nose hair and the hair in your ears. Like I didn't even think about the hair in your ears, but like after more research w- from like looking up stuff with alopecia, you do have hair in your ears and when you have alopecia, it falls out. Like Wow. And what kind of a difference does that make? Like things are just kind of louder or? Supposedly you're just more sensitive to sounds. Interesting. Yeah. I hadn't, uh, I haven't experienced that kind of hair loss yet, but uh, <laughs> you know, not looking forward to that. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully you don't, but. <laughs> <laughs> so what, at what point did you decide that you wanted to wear a wig if you were so confident and okay with not wearing one you know what like people just like I was okay with it but I felt like others weren't so like the people that I worked with they would like in the hair salon yeah they were super supportive but then they'd be like oh that person was staring or like I had an instance where an esthetician brought a customer back and the customer was like why would that girl do that to herself like thinking that I did it for style and the esthetician got mad and kicked her out, which I appreciate, but like it just started interfering with my life. And then like stuff like I'd go to the mall with my mom and she'd be like, Oh, are you sure you don't want to wear a hat? Or she'd bring up the fact that, you know, people were staring. And then there were people who would use it against me. And it's just like I wanted to take back that control. So Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I to so just for total transparency here, I'm not super comfortable going out um, without a wig or without a hat. I mean, like most of the time I do wear my wig when I go out, but if I'm just with close friends or with family, I don't mind wearing the hat. I think it takes a lot of courage to be able to go out completely bald. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just moved to Toronto 
from Bradford. So I went from like north to south. And I'll be honest, it's a lot easier in the city. Yeah, why is that? Just lots of people? There's so many people and like there's so many different people, you know, that it's like not so cookie cutter. Up north, everyone had like the long, straight blonde hair. They all wore a certain brand of clothing. They all had the same body shape. You know what I mean? So it's like when you stray from that, that's when you stand out. And I guess that's kind of what it was like in Bradford for you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What about, you know, like when you had kind of first lost your hair and like, I don't know, going to do groceries or going to run errands or whatever? How how did you feel about going bald doing kind of everyday stuff like that? Even to this day, it's still kind of the same. So because sometimes I'll, for example, if I were to go to run to shoppers, like take my mom to shoppers drug mart. I'll drive with no wig on or no hat on that I don't care. But then all of a sudden, if she's like, oh, I need to go into the grocery store, come with me. I won't go in. Yeah. And I'll sit in the car. Or if I'm if I'm driving home from somewhere where I wasn't wearing a wig and I don't have a hat in the car, I won't go somewhere without that covering. That's so funny. I literally just had that interaction with my mom uh, a little while ago. The same thing. I was I was okay to drive in the car and just drive her somewhere and she when she said oh can you come in with me I was like nope I'm not ready for that yeah it's like and it's silly because I mean <laughs> anyone driving can see you in the car and like I I remember because like I'd be driving with my sister for example and she'd be like oh let's get Tim Hortons and I'm like oh my god even through the drive-thru like these people are gonna look at me and like I always joke around and say that I look like an alien when I don't have any makeup on <laughs> because I mean it's like no hair really changes you there's this instagram account i forget what it's called but she takes all these celebrities and she makes them bald and takes away their facial hair and like they just look so strange without it <laughs> so i can only imagine pulling up to the mcdonald's drive through and some 16 year old looking at me like i'm um, some experiment yeah i mean like i think on the other end though it's not like th- these are just you know people in a drive through that you're most likely never going to see again right well, I grew up in a, it's a small town. <laughs> they'll, they'll see me. They'll definitely see me. In Toronto, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, 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 no. Toronto, I'm good. I'll see someone once in a lifetime. Yeah. Did people in Bradford know that you had alopecia? Yeah. Yeah, they, they did. I mean, because in elementary school, I was only there for one year for elementary school because I moved from Thornhill. And I would always wear like really thick Lululemon headbands and like nobody would see me without a headband. So I don't think they knew then, but in high school they knew because the patches started becoming instead of like, because I mean, you can't cover everything with a headband. And then I started talking about it. Like I was, I've always been the type that's open to talking. It's just, I didn't want to show. And then once I hit like university level, I, I actually started a blog and uh, I would, like post the blog on my Facebook and my Instagram. So it opened it up to a lot of people and a lot of people who like I wasn't close with in high school would message me and be like, Oh, I didn't even know. So, but a lot of them were like, Oh, I'm glad that you finally came to terms with it. So it was kind of like a hit and miss where I was like happy that I was bringing awareness, but I'm like, Oh, so many people knew. And I thought that like I was hiding it so good. (laughs) (laughs) What did, how did that make you feel like kind of coming out with it and, and blogging and sharing that experience with, with people that you didn't know and people that you didn't know? You know what? I love doing the blog. The only reason why I stopped is because it started becoming a chore. Like I did it as a, 
kind of like a therapy method for me. Mm-hmm. I found it very cleansing of like my emotions. But then what happened was people would be like, oh, you should write about this. Oh, you shouldn't say that in your post. Oh, this post is really depressing. You shouldn't talk like that. And it's just like, this is my real feeling. So who are you to tell me how I should or shouldn't feel, you know? So I, I stopped writing it. And then I just went to like old school <laughs> pen and paper. And that's it. Well, what, what sort of things would you write about? Well, like I would write about like my relationships. I would write about like if there were interactions with people, um, just my everyday feelings. Like if I was sitting on the subway and someone was staring at me, like back when I was wearing my hair bald, mm-hmm. I would write about how I felt. I'd write about the treatments that I was going through, like just every, almost like a diary. And it wasn't always like alopecia drawn, but I mean, alopecia is such a big part of my life that everything kind of comes back down to it. Wow. Yeah, I um, I never was really comfortable sharing it with too many people uh, when I had first had alopecia from when I was like 11 to 17. And for me, it was it was definitely about keeping that secret. And I had always kind of wanted to to write about it. I, I loved to write when I was young. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was like more of a diary entry. Right. So and you're right. It's funny when you say everything kind of comes back to it. That's how I felt during that period in my life. And then when I got it again, after all of my hair regrew when I was 17, up until I was 24, like I didn't have any <laughs> issues with my hair at all. I was, I almost kind of forgot what it was like. And, uh, you know, at, at 24, it all kind of started again. And that was a big shift for me. I guess my next question for you, in terms of, you know, documenting this, this, journey for you is what is it like now are you still do you still find that you're writing regularly I know you said you're not blogging as much but I know on Instagram you do have pictures of you you know without a wig yeah what is that documentation process like now and and how do you feel about it well my profiles are private okay so only people who I want to see it can see it. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's hard. It's hard to explain because I mean some people are and you can't get mad at them because they're just so oblivious, you know. So they'll see pictures where like one week I have gray hair and then the next week I have red hair and they'll be like, oh my gosh, you change your hair quick. And it's just like, yeah, this isn't my hair. And then, you know, it's like I'll post a picture of myself with a wig on. And then I'll post a picture of myself without a wig on. Right. And it's and this sounds so ridiculous, but like I'll get more likes on the picture that doesn't have a wig on, and it's it's like almost like I feel like there's sympathy likes, you know? Interesting. Yeah, like I don't know. <laughs> um. So I don't like you. My Instagram, you can see I do have pictures on there, but I don't really post stuff of myself. Like <laughs> my Instagram is my dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's about it. I I hate taking pictures though. I really do. And I get so mad at my family because they love taking pictures, every last one of them. And um, I just don't like it. Like I don't, I'm at a stage right now where this isn't how I want to look back on myself, you know, because like as much as I wear wigs and I'm confident and I can walk around, like I don't feel beautiful. So I don't want to, you know, five years from now, look back at these pictures and be like, Oh, look at this memory because it's not a good memory. Doesn't matter what I'm doing, it's just still not a good memory to me. Really? That's um that's a really interesting perspective. Do you think that, you know, looking back on these pictures that you'll feel differently at all? 
maybe in like five or ten years from now? At some point, I'm going to have to come to terms because I'm pretty sure that like my hair is just not going to grow back. Right. Like I think it's just done. So eventually I'll have to come to terms with that. But it's just like it's been really hard. You know, I've had to go through a lot of counseling and stuff like that to kind of get to the point where I'm at right now. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's still not a good place that I'm in. And even if I am, you know, bald for the rest of my life, I want to be happy with that. And like, I want to, I don't want to have like fake smiles. Like, you know, that aunt that makes you take a picture at all the family gatherings and you're like, hurry up and finish the picture. And you've got that fake smile on. I don't want, I don't want that to be every single picture that I'm in. Right. And that's how I feel about any picture that I take right now. Cause I'm just so uncomfortable. Did you used to be more like that? Like when you were first losing your hair and you were okay being bald, did you feel the same way? Or is it now that you're like wearing wigs more at work that you're a bit more self-conscious about it? Yeah, I've never really liked to take pictures when I had bad hair loss. Like when I had Arietta and I was younger, like so I'd say from like 18 and younger, I was okay with pictures. Right. But anything past that, I wasn't I wasn't comfortable with. Right. Yeah, no, uh, completely understandable. Um, I think it takes it takes a lot of time and, and perspective to come into appreciating yourself for what you are and looking in the mirror, being being bald, right? And and appreciating and, and feeling that you're beautiful. It's not something that happens overnight, especially when you're you have hair loss. You know, it's it's an issue that women I'm gonna say women but really a lot of people men included have to face every day and like a lot of them do have hair right it's it's yeah. whether you have hair or not I find that you know alopecia kind of exacerbates that feeling but you know it's 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 nice to know that through your experience it's kind of gotten a little bit better as you as you go along and you know it's interesting to hear that you felt more comfortable not wearing your wig than you do wearing a wig yeah, it's 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 funny. It's just a security blanket that I'm going to have to like learn to get rid of. But I mean, and because I I help uh, facilitate a lot of the co- like all the coffee and conversation groups through Kenaf in Toronto. And like I tell people that, yeah, today I'm okay with it, you know, but tomorrow I might not be. And it's just like a journey. And I feel like every single day we're like just chipping away at it. And it's because it's a journey. It's like there's no time limit, you know. It's not like somebody's going to turn and be like, it's been three years, like, Kaya, you better smarten up and just go out with no wig. Like, no. (laughs) There are some people, like, who are very brave and just never wear a wig, and they're good with that. And then there's others who teeter back and forth. And then there's some who, you know, their husbands who have never seen them without a wig. Like, they go to bed with a wig, they wake up with a wig, you know? And it's just comfort level, I guess. Yeah, that's, wow. What is it like uh, hosting these coffee and conversations? I I love doing it because I feel like it's a sense of community and it's a family outside of your regular family because you can talk to people about alopecia all you want, but they will never understand it until they go through it. Right. You know, and it's like all of us are going through the same thing and it's just a great support system and you can laugh, you can cry, you can be angry, you know, and there's just no judgment and it's not one of those things where we're suggesting things to you. We're telling you, oh, this treatment's going to cure everything. You know, it's just somewhere to get together and to just talk. It's like a friend base, you know? 
Yeah, that was my first experience or my experience first going to a Kanaf coffee and, and chat event. It was, um, I remember this was actually funnily enough, right before I kind of had all my hair loss, a friend of mine sent me a video that she, that, so she knew that I had alopecia, that I had had it in the past. And she sent me this video on Buzzfeed of this girl who had alopecia and like her boyfriend shaved her head. And like, I watched the video and I bawled my eyes out. And I don't know why, I don't know, like, what triggered it. And I didn't have alopecia at the time. It was just kind of bringing me back to that place. And I felt like even though my hair had regrown, I still needed that sense of community with people who understood the feeling. So I decided to go and like, I was very nervous going in initially because I thought maybe people would judge me a bit differently because my hair grew back or like, you know, I wouldn't be as accepted because I wasn't going through it at the time. Yeah. But it was such a welcoming group of people. And like, they they knew that I had felt what like, I had had hair loss in the past. And it was it was really, really cathartic and relieving to just go in there and just talk to people. Yeah, my first interaction with CANAF was when they had their conference in Scarborough. And I remember I was like debating back and forth if I was going to go. And I messaged them on a Thursday, bought the tickets the Thursday night, showed up on the Friday, and it was just so welcoming. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm walking into this conference alone and I feel perfectly comfortable. You know, it was, it was really nice. That's great. I think that's when we met at the event. It was, it was really nice to see people of all different ages and, and just like not even caring about anything because we're all together, right? And and I think that really, really made a big difference for me personally. Yeah, I I remember I felt so silly because at that time I was so ashamed of like my alopecia and then I see all these cute little bald kids running around and they're all so confident and happy and I just felt really stupid afterwards. Like, come on. That's funny. <laughs> if they can be this strong, you could be this strong. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I I think that, that it's a really good place for support and exposure. And, you know, talking about that self-confidence, seeing people who look like you. Yeah. And it, it for me, it made a world of difference. And, and you know, now I, I really couldn't imagine going through this without having Kanaf or a, a support group or, for example, me doing this podcast. Like, it's really kind of what gets me through it. Well, yeah, and it's sad because, like, you know, unfortunately, mental health has a huge thing to do with alopecia. And having alopecia does take a toll on your mental health. But access to programs that help you with that sort of stuff, it's not easy to come by. And when you do come by it, it's so expensive. And the fact that, you know, the people of Canaf are volunteering their time and resources so that we can have it for free, I just, I think it's really great that they do that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And that's it for this episode of The Alopecia Project. Thank you to Kaya for taking the time to speak with us. Stay tuned for part two of this conversation in our next episode. If you're interested in learning more about the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation, we've put a link to their website in the show notes. Thank you to Sarah for that amazing interview and to all of you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the Alopecia Project on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We'll see you next time.